Welcome to the offseason, Spartan Nation. The month of Izzo is over. Baylor has been crowned the champions of college basketball. And hosting a weekly Michigan State podcast just got a little more challenging. Uh, But you know what? That's okay. We like a challenge around here. Welcome into episode 30 of MLive Spartan Confidential Podcast. Brandon Champion, Kyle Lawson, and Matt Wenzel with you here on April 8th, 2021. Uh, Kyle, uh, any big takeaways from the national championship? Uh, you know, only that uh, I think defense and rebounding still rule uh, a little bit and having, having the size and athleticism and um, Gonzaga's going to have to uh, – I still think Gonzaga's not going anywhere, uh, but uh, – you know, kind of, I think, just a reminder of what uh, what rules the day at the end of the day there in college basketball. It was actually shocking watching that game. Like, you could you turned it on, and within, like, the first five minutes, you could just tell that Baylor was bigger, faster, stronger, right. more ready to play. It was, it was actually insane because, you know, here we are, this huge buildup, this game that everyone's looking forward to, and uh, that thing was over quick. It was pretty <laughs> surprising, honestly. Yeah, but I mean, I feel like we got uh, that that UCLA Gonzaga game. I feel like we got all the excitement we needed out of the Final Four. There would have been nice to see a competitive final, but I don't feel like I got gypped at the Final Four either. Yeah, and Baylor definitely a worthy champion. I mean, they were the, one of the best teams all year. Uh, they proved it. Really, the only thing that slowed them down was a COVID pause. So, right. and and you know, we had talked about on the pod that you know maybe coming in uh, to the tournament, maybe we were sleeping on Baylor a little bit more because of that. They'd sort of slipped, but they definitely picked it up throughout the tournament. Definitely a worthy champion, and uh, really, really uh, shocking turnaround considering what Scott Drew inherited uh, a literal tragedy. Uh, on that team and uh, one of the great turnarounds in all sports so March Madness is in the rear view it was a pretty solid tournament overall I'd say obviously Michigan State didn't really get to be involved too much uh, but a fantastic that we got it in and we got through the college basketball season that's that might be the big news here right you know I if you would have told me that they'd lose one team in the tournament um, and it was a 10 seed, I would have said that's a great outcome for them, mm-hmm. um, you know, and, and losing it early. Like I, I was still petrified going through that, like Gonzaga or Baylor or somebody was going to like get kicked out in the sweet 16 round. And then we'd be saying the rest of, for the rest of the time, well, you know, such and such team won, but did they, were they really the national champion? So I, I'm thrilled that like we had a legitimate national champion. And to me, it was, it was a little ironic because, like, to me, Baylor and Gonzaga were clearly the two best teams all year. Michigan snuck up there in their grouping for a second for me. Uh, but, but really, those were the two best. And, and all this year when it was all, you know, oh, it's, everything's so uneven. It's going to be so hard to tell. Um, like, this was like one year where it, it's kind of rare that it happens that you had two very good teams that were the best team playing for the national title. So mm-hmm. for all the uncertainty we were expecting, and we definitely got some, at the biggest moment, uh, we got what we wanted. Yeah, the teams ranked one and two in, in the preseason end up one and two in the national championship. And for having one of the most upset late in tournaments, and I think actually by the numbers, it was the most upset late in tournament in terms of uh, the NCAA, uh, you know, like a six or six seed gap, there was the most upset. So uh, it was an interesting tournament and it ended with the two best teams meeting. So we can't really ask for more than that. March Madness is in the rear view, but the Masters starts up today. I know, Matt, you're fired up about that. Oh, every year. That's a tournament I look forward to. Uh, you know, I don't watch golf, reg, you know, regular tour events, but the Masters has always been uh, special. And, uh, yeah, look forward to it every year. My favorite one and a uh, chance for me to brag about having been there. So, 
Um, I yeah. saw that. Where you did you just make the? I saw it as a practice round, but you just you just made the trip, or? Yeah, I got lucky. I was fortunate. A friend of mine who uh, is a uh, aunt and uncle live uh, our professors at a UGA and live in Athens, and they won the lottery for tickets one year. We got lucky enough to go, and yeah, it's everything you imagine plus times ten. I've always wanted to go and then the Ryder cup and then seeing an open championship at St. Andrews. Those are like the three golf things that I really, really want to do. Ryder cup, Ryder cup this year is in Wisconsin, man. It's drivable. Ooh. I went when it was at uh, Oakland Hills. Yeah. Whatever year that was. 2000s. Nice. I, I went to a, I went to a Buick back in the day, but I, I need to get to more big level golf events. The, the Buick was a lot of fun. Uh, we, we would always make it. We would just like Sunday morning. We'd just be like, oh, hell, let's just go. And you drive down, you park at the high school. They bus you over. They sell you a ticket before you even get out of your car, bus you over and turn you loose. So nice. I always had a lot of fun at Warwick Hills. It was an enjoyable event. Saw some drunk fan <laughs> jump in the pond on, uh, was it 17 there, 17, right? Yeah, yeah. 17. Wow. Yeah, we were sat there waiting for Tiger Woods. He was winning one year. And of course, after he hits his tee shot, some goes and dives in the pond and there's a half a dozen cops that really did not want to go in to get him and uh, he eventually came out on his own and well, that's I'm sure funny. he enjoyed that uh, trip to the police station awesome well yeah we digress let's get into it this is a michigan state podcast uh coming up on today's show we're gonna touch on just a couple things obviously like we said uh no games being played right now but there's still some things going on uh change on the coaching staff and we'll also get to spring football update we heard from uh some of the potential quarterbacks uh, that could be on the team or could be starting come fall. So that we'll uh, touch on that a little bit. We've also got a bunch of your questions. If you could please like, rate, and review the podcast wherever you're listening, tell a fellow Spartan about it. Check out our work on uh, mlive.com slash Spartans. And also let us know what you want us to talk about. We're going to have some time in the off season here to touch on certain topics or things that maybe we wouldn't. So if you have ideas for things to talk for us to talk about, let us know. Hit us up. Um, but let's get into it. We got the news this week, Kyle, that uh, Dane Fife was going to leave Michigan State and return to Indiana. He's been a longtime assistant coach for the Spartans. Tom Izzo's right-hand man. He's been influential in recruiting. What was your reaction to this news? You know, not super surprising. I mean, on its face, it, I guess it's a little bit to see him go from one Big Ten assistant job to the other. Um, but I think when you look into the details of it, it starts to make more sense. You know, he, he wasn't getting the traction with the types of jobs that he, that he wanted. Um, you know, he turned down Duquesne a couple of years ago. He, he really, if he was going to jump to a head coaching job, I think he wanted one where he'd be in a good position um, to do well and not wash out after three years. So um, he was waiting for a job like that. It really wasn't, um, it really wasn't materializing for him. And, and it had been 10 years and I think it was kind of time to move on and, Uh, You look at Indiana, obviously he went there. Um, I think that place means a lot to him, but also, you know, he comes in um, under Mike Woodson, who Mike Woodson is, um, you know, I I think he's 62, if I saw correctly, you know, he's a little up there in age. So I think the thought is that you go there um, and you can be kind of a coach in waiting. And if that's adapted as well, and and Mike Woodson wants to hang it up in a couple of years, I think Dane would certainly be um, in position to, 
um, to take over there. And that would be his dream job. Um, so I, I don't think that was his spot here. I know there's been a lot of speculation about his successor. I, I never thought that, um, that Dane was really the first guy on that list. So I, I think he can go somewhere, kind of be in your staff. And, and you know, I, I think as we've seen the last couple of years, I think it's kind of hard to, to raise your profile um, a little bit being on Michigan State staff. I mean, there have been guys that have left and gone to head coaching jobs, but, you know, the program is in good shape when you get here. So it's not like you take it to the next level, really. If they were to win a national title, maybe that's different, but it's hard to kind of take it to the next level. And, you know, Tom is a Hall of Famer and he's involved in everything. And, and it's not like, you know, when they get these big recruits, it seems like it's always just so closing the deal. And it's not like these other programs where this guy's the ace recruiter and the hot assistant and everything. It seems like um, it's hard to kind of raise your profile. Uh, I think that's that's evidenced by the fact that they, you know, I, the guys haven't really gotten a whole lot of jo- big jobs out of there. So um, I think for all those reasons, it makes sense. But, um, uh, yeah, it, uh, I, I think it, it could end up being a pretty good move for Dane. It's an interesting point you bring up. It's almost like the status quo at Michigan State. Uh, They're so consistent and they're so uh, successful that it's almost like they go overlooked because they're not leading some crazy turnaround or being contributing to a turnaround. I hadn't really thought about that. But Dane Fife, obviously three-year starter at Indiana, played the national championship game. uh, Or did he – yeah, he played in the national championship, right? Yeah, when, he when, played in that time. When they lost yeah. to Maryland uh, to, mm-hmm. to Juan Dixon, right? That's Juan Dixon, Lonnie Baxter, yeah, those guys. Right. Um, so, you know, long run at Michigan State from a, from a um, logistical standpoint or from a functional standpoint, because, you know, people know that Dane Fife, you know, Dwayne Stevens, you know, Garland, they're good assistant coaches. They've been there for a long time. Obviously, they're on the bench. They help with certain things. They help with rotations. But – for people who don't know the ins and outs, I mean, from a functional standpoint, what is Michigan State losing in Dane Fife? Like, what did he bring to the table for the Spartans? Uh, you know, I so he's a guy that was, um, you know, he he worked more with the, with the guards um, than the um, than the front court. DJ does more of the big men, and and Dane did more of the guards um, and, and kind of more of the wings. You know, I think Garland and Angel did a lot of the point guard work. Um, so I think a lot of the wings, you know, I think like a, like a Matt McQuaid, you know, developing the way he did. I think I think Dane had a lot to do with that. Um, but then also, you know, he had a lot uh, with the offense. I mean, he was making a lot of the play calls during the games. Um, and, and during after some of their better wins, you know, Izzo was um, Izzo would acknowledge. He'd say, yeah, those, you know, some of those plays that really worked well, that was Dane calling those up. And um, so there'll be something definitely to replace there. But also, you know, uh, we just talked about how recruiting is kind of gets the credit and he does play a very hands-on role for a lot of these key guys. But, you know, I think Dane was key setting the table for a lot of those guys. And maybe, um, maybe he doesn't get all the credit in the end, but especially the Indiana guys uh, that they've gotten, whether that's Jaron Jackson Jr. Um, uh, I think Gary Harris, he was pretty big and getting him in there. And then, you know, I think I heard Max Christie, he was kind of the main guy um, and setting the table for that. Although Doug Wojcik played a role in that too. Um, so I, I do think, you know, if they don't pull as many guys out of Indiana in the next five years, I wouldn't be shocked. I mean, the rest of the staff has connections there too. It's not going to totally dry up, but I think that'll be a challenge to stay, to have as much success in Indiana as they've had, because they've had a lot of it. Um, and you know, they're going to have to, I, I think you're going to have to find somebody who offensively can, can do, bring what he brought to you too. Fife caught some heat this year from the fan base. Um, you know, as Clarkston ties, people look at, you know, Thomas Kithier and, and Foster Lawyer. And I think that a lot of people think that he was kind of the driving force in bringing those guys in. And 
mixed results uh, from those two, uh, to put it <laughs> to put it nicely. And Foster's got the health issues now, but. Do you think the failure of the – I don't want to say failure. The, the shortcomings of those guys contributed to him leaving at all? No, I don't think so. And, and I, I want to be fair that uh, – I'm not sure putting Kithier in that group is fair because he, when he – you remember when he committed, he was at Macomb, Dakota. Mm-hmm. He hadn't transferred to, to Clarkston yet. And he never – he obviously never actually played for Clarkston. Cause he right, there was the whole issue. The issue yeah. that year. So he kind of gets lumped in uh, – um, and I'm not sure, you know, I, I think his situation is a little different. They took him early. Um, and I, I don't really know all the specifics of, of, of that, but he wasn't really a Clarkston guy when they got him, he kind of became one. Um, the lawyer thing, I do think, you know, there might be a little bit more legitimacy for that. Uh, I, I do think Dane, um, Dane did push him, um, push to take him a little bit more. I think Dane did believe in um, him becoming a big level, big 10 point guard, um, obviously it's not his call alone. Um, you know, that's something that Tom Izzo and the rest of his staff sign off on, you know, so it's not, I don't think you can put it all on Dane's feet, um, because any player that comes in, um, Tom Izzo at least approved, but yeah, I mean, if you want to look for criticisms, I mean, I think Dane did champion him. Um, obviously there's a family connection to him. If you want to look at it that way, you know, Dane, he went, went to Dane's high school, played for Dane's dad. So, um, if you think that influenced him. Um, there's certainly the appearance of that, but um, it, it, I, I can't put it all on one guy's feet. I have a hard time putting it all on one guy's feet because at the end of the day, and time is, would be the first one to tell you too, yeah. that, you know, the buck stops with him and he makes all yeah. the last decisions. And I'm sure there've been plenty of times where guys have, um, have uh, uh, wanted recruits taken or wanted them to recruit guys and, and it's overruled them uh, yeah. good or bad. So I, I think, I think, yeah, Dane probably gets a little bit more um, blame, good or bad, for that situation. But um, I don't think it, it's fair to put it all on him either. Probably not. I mean, if, if Tom Izzo really didn't want Foster Lawyer, Foster Lawyer wouldn't be at Michigan State. So, you know. No, it's, and uh, it, it's so hard. It's so hard to tell, you know. Because there have been small guards that have done well. Um, yeah. And um, they passed on some small guards who did well. You know, there was a point not long before Foster where, um, you know, uh, they had passed on some small guards and they had kind of only taken bigger ones and they were, they thought they were overlooking smaller ones. So, I mean, it's, it's, it, it's a crapshoot, but yeah, I mean, that's, um, it, it, we'll see how, how it all pans out, but yeah, that, that is at this point looking like, you know, possibly just kind of a miss from a, from a, a evaluation standpoint. I guess I'm just trying to figure out, cause he's been at Michigan state for so long. I mean, obviously they had the coaching change at, at Indiana and, so far, Mike Woodson, I mean, he's, he, I saw Race Thompson is returning to school now. He announced that today. Uh, Trace Jackson Davis announced he's returning to school. They got Xavier Johnson from Pitt. They obviously lured Dane Fife from Michigan State. I mean, he's making some noise down there uh, pretty quick. So do, do you think just the new hire had something to do with the timing then? Because it's been a long time. So I guess I'm just like, why now for Dane Fife? You know, I guess you, you kind of mentioned maybe it could be like a coach in waiting. Yeah, I mean, I it's the new hire, um, and um, yeah, I mean, he's, uh, I you know, I don't think he's going to be coaching for ten years. You know, I, I honestly thought when um, it crossed my mind when Indiana started this search, I thought uh, Beeline got some early buzz down there, mm-hmm. um, and I thought, yeah, you know, if, if Beeline goes down there, maybe they bring in someone like Dane um, to kind of be a coaching waiting. So I thought if anybody hired Beeline, they kind of want to given how old he is, you kind of want to think about your, your succession plan. And, and I think that's, that's kind of what they've done. And um, yeah, I mean, I, I do think, listen, if, if Indiana gets it rolling um, in the next, you know, two, three years and is contending for big 10 titles, 
Uh, Dane's going to have a lot better stock um, than he would have probably been able to get at Michigan State just because right. he, he built something. You can um, see the change. It's not in good shape. Yeah. You can see the change. And whether that leads to him getting the Indiana job or him getting one of the better college basketball jobs that he couldn't get. Um, I just think there's also more risk, though, too. I mean, Indiana's last couple of regimes there have not done well. And if that staff flames out in three years, then he's in a worse spot. So it, it's risk-reward, but I think – I think he was kind of knocking on a ceiling here at Michigan State and couldn't quite break through. And and, and the same has been true for Dwayne Stevens. You know, mm-hmm. he, he's still hanging around. Um, you know, he wants he definitely wants to be a, a head coach, and it's it's been hard for these guys to break through out of that staff. Central Michigan job just opened up. I saw that I, I, between Central and Eastern, one of them should give um, give DJ a look. Um, yeah, it, it's hard. I, I I like DJ. He doesn't. I'm trying to think of a way to put this. Um, it's not bad. He just he's not quite as magnetic if that makes sense he doesn't have this you know he, he doesn't command kind of a presence in a room but I think he's a very solid basketball coach I think he could do a very good job somewhere but I don't think he's going to blow you away in the interview um you know um I don't think he's going to blow you away at a press conference like you see some of these guys do so I think it's been harder for him to kind of get traction but um I, I think a program like uh, Central or Eastern you know I think Eastern could do could certainly do a lot worse and Given everything he's done, I think he'd do well somewhere. But um, he, he's had a hard time getting traction, too. But then I, I think and we can talk about the ways they can go with it. I think getting some fresh blood on that staff could be good. That's not that's taking anything away from Dane. Dane. Dane was a good assistant for them. Uh, but I think any staff, it's healthy to, to get some new, new ideas, some new thoughts in there, some new perspectives. And it's been 10 years. That, that is an eternity um, in college <laughs> basketball for one staff to be together. So I think they're – I think this is kind of an opportunity for them a little bit too. For sure, especially amid the changing landscape of college basketball. You know, maybe if you got someone who maybe brought a fresh perspective, maybe someone who's a little bit more open to how things are now, someone who maybe can relate to the players on a more surface level or a relatable level um, could be an option. I mean, we can talk about uh, possible replacements now. You wrote a story about it. We also got a question. Any buzzer on Mark Montgomery coming back to MSU to work with Izzo again? Uh, He left for Northern Illinois, right? Yeah, he got fired by Northern Illinois in January, and, and he just hooked on at uh, Detroit Mercy. Um, so he, he did just get a job, but I don't think if, if Michigan State wanted to bring him back, I don't think him being at Detroit Mercy would hold anything up. So, yeah, that, would, that wouldn't surprise me at all. Um, uh, it, we've certainly seen Tom Izzo be willing to bring back former assistants for a second run, um, whether that's – uh, you know, Doug Wojcik um, or, or some other guys that he brought back um, for a second run. Um, but I, I've got Wojcik at the top of my list. You know, he's been their recruiting coordinator um, for the last couple of years. I, I think that title is a little misleading because I think he does a lot more than just that. I think, he, you know, I get the sense that he's helping out with a lot of the preparation. Um, I get the sense that he's kind of um, lending a lot of perspective to Izzo and Izzo kind of leaning on him for, for his thoughts because, you know, he was a head coach for a while. He's been an assistant at a lot of big schools. So I think that would be a, a comfortable, safe pick. Um, you know, maybe wouldn't get people too excited. Maybe wouldn't be what you would describe me as kind of the whole fresh perspective, you know, um, you know, a, a younger guy. Um, he wouldn't check those boxes, but he would certainly be something, somebody that they know would mesh well with the staff and they would appreciate. So I, He's on the top of my list. Um, I, I think there's a lot of internal guys there that could do it between him um, and, and David Thomas. Uh, they've got – Izzo doesn't have a huge tree out there, uh, but I've got Thomas Kelly on here, you know, GA, 
been at Western for two or three years, so he's been recruiting. Um, he could certainly come back. That wouldn't surprise me. Um, and then Jim Boylan, old for another former guy. Jim Boylan would be another former guy. I think his appeal would be he's been in the NBA for a while. And, and I think a lot of college staffs are trying to get kind of the NBA perspective in there and how are they doing things up there and um, running the offense. So he would kind of, to me, check two boxes. He'd be a familiar guy um, as a former assistant and he'd have the NBA stuff. Um, and then my, my kind of, I, my kind of more, I want to say outside the box. I don't think any of these are very outside the box, but uh, I got Cornell Mann on my list. Um, some folks may be familiar with him. He, he's been a, a major college assistant or a college assistant for 17 seasons, um, but he's from Detroit. Uh, he, he's been an assistant all over. Uh, notably, he's also Dwayne Stevens' cousin. Um, he's, he's currently at Missouri um, and, uh, and recruited a lot of Detroit. So he would bring a lot of recruiting and, and familiarity with, with Michigan. Um, and then my last name on here, and, and I'm, some folks might roll their eyes at this, but I, I think it's worth thinking about a guy like Tum Tum there uh, because of what you said. I, I think this era, this era we're going into in college basketball is going to be a lot about player retention um, and keeping players happy and, and player, um, whatever you want to call it, player well-being. Um, so I, I think using a staff spot on a guy who's young and really connects with guys and he's going to build really strong connections with recruits on a personal level. Um, I, I think that's a, a direction to at least think about going, you know, mm -hmm. whether that's Tum Tum or somebody else. And, uh, you know, you've got Dwayne Stevens and Mike Garland on the staff with a ton of experience. Plus Tom Izzo, I, I think you could afford to have a, a little bit lesser experienced uh, staff member and kind of let him grow into that role. Um, so something, something to think about. I'd be surprised if, if Tom Izzo goes that route, but I, I think there would be reasons to do so. Yeah, and we did get a question, you know, the trend in college basketball seems to be towards NBA, former NBA players, coaches, assistants, uh, you know, transitioning into coaching. They mentioned Scott Skiles could potentially fit that bill. You mentioned Tum Tum Nairn, but I mean, we see, we've seen some program. I mean, Drew Valentine, for example, you know, he was a young assistant. He would have been top on my list if he didn't get loyal. Right, and, and now he's the head man there. I mean, so you're right. seeing these younger guys, if they get a shot, they potentially can turn into something very profitable. Yeah. And you're, um, I mean, you have the opportunity to get somebody kind of at the beginning of their career, you know, and kind of develop them and have a real asset on your staff. Um, so, uh, you know, Tommy has surprised us before, you know, the last time this was open, I don't think Dane Fife would have been a lot on a lot of people's lists. You know, he had never worked there before. He, you know, was from the state, but didn't have any connection to Michigan state. So, um, you know, who knows? It could be a total outsider name to us. Uh, Thomas would surprise you. The one I forgot to mention is David Thomas. Wouldn't surprise me. Uh, former player, ops guy right now. Um, so, so those are my names. But yeah, it's going to be really interesting. Tom, Tom hasn't had to do one of these in 10 years. Uh, so it's been a while. Um, but I think it'll tell us a lot about kind of the direction of the program, what he thinks about college basketball, especially if he, if he kind of goes a little bit um, it, to an atypical route. Uh, it, it could kind of be revealing about uh, the direction he wants the program and where he thinks the sport is going. Agreed. It'll be interesting to watch. Just one of the many other things that we'll be tracking throughout the offseason. So far, haven't gotten any more transfer news. We did get another question about potentially uh, someone in the front court transferring. I don't think we really need to speculate on that right now. We have already. Um, if it happens, we'll keep you updated. We, we have said that we think that if another transfer comes, the front court is the most likely place for it to come. So 
something to watch. But let's let's get into football. Uh, Matt is here. He's um, anything happened in the Masters while we were uh, sitting there talking? <laughs> uh, looked like uh, Brooks Kepka must have knocked it in the pot in the uh, creek on uh, thirteen. So uh, oh, not doing too hot. Well, at least he's playing, right? There is. I was gonna bit. say I yeah. wouldn't be doing too hot if I just had knee surgery. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. But no, I haven't. I, I haven't been watching too much of it while we've been doing this. All right. Well, we we do. Uh, you know, it's spring football, but you guys have been getting the opportunity to at least talk to some players here and there. You talked to the quarterbacks this week. Um, so, what stood out in your in your talking with the guys? Well, I mean, they had their they had their first uh, scrimmage on Saturday. Um, obviously close to the public and the media, no, no highlights or anything like that. And the, the, both from the, uh, the press release about it. And we talked to Mel on Tuesday. Um, I can tell you they had a scrimmage and that's it. So um, guys were competitive and they're, you know, they're that press release. Ground. Was, I just he laughed. Did not, yeah. did not, Mel did not in the press release, which had a number of quotes, did not mention a single player by name. And when we talked to him on Tuesday, he did not mention a single player by name unless he was asked specifically about that player. So if you're looking for him to give anything away, that just, that's just not going to happen. Um, what was most interesting from what he said um, on Tuesday, you know, he's, you know, he said there's guys that are starting to separate themselves and, you know, the roster is starting to shake out, which you would expect. He just didn't name anybody. But, you know, he did say something about um, – He's not interested going into the summer with anyone who's not willing to play or not able to play the type of football that we need to play here. So, you know, this is kind of goes back to uh, November when he gave the uh, compete to play, compete to stay line, where he made it pretty clear that what, he, what his expectations are. And, you know, we've seen plenty of turnover with 17 guys out to the portal, but maybe, you know, I wouldn't be surprised if there's a couple more guys that really need to uh, to shake out the roster if, if he's trying to get them to buy in and not, and not seeing it. So uh, that was interesting. And then we talked to uh, Jay Johnson, offensive coordinator. First time we talked to him since before last season. Uh, Cliff's notes version, the offense needs to get better in every way. And uh, then we got Russo, Anthony Russo transfer for QB from Temple and Peyton Thorne, who started the season finale. And uh you know, those are, those are clearly the top two guys in, in the quarterback competition, uh, which is pretty obvious heading into this. And when they're the two guys they make available to talk to us, that just further cements that. I thought uh, Anthony Russo's comments about how he felt like he wasn't really a, um, developing at Temple were pretty yeah. interesting. I mean, can you kind yeah. of give us the cliff note version of that? Yeah, I mean, he, you know, and, and it's interesting because, you know, he grew up, you know, he's a Philadelphia guy basically in the suburbs. Um, you know, he goes to school 20 minutes from home. He said his, his sister went to school with him while he was there. His he had another sister that, that worked at the university's hospital, you know, he spent five seasons there, made 26 starts through for, you know, he's third in program history and yards, touchdowns and, and completions, I believe. And, um, but yeah, he thought he wasn't developing the way he wanted to. So, you know, I don't know. I don't know if I'd really take that as a shot at the coaching staff or as much as, he, 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 cause he kind of went on to explain that what he wanted to do was play in an offense like Michigan state has more of a pro style offense. And with the kind of, uh, you know, NFL caliber talent that um, he could surround himself with there. So, but yeah, I mean, interesting. And, you know, he comes in, he's a confident guy. He's a big guy, he's six, four, two forty five. So um, don't think they need to worry about him adding much weight, but uh, yeah, I mean, that's an instant, 
um, you know, veteran guy in, in the quarterback room and it's, and it's him versus, versus Thorne with everybody else kind of, uh, I think you're just looking to see who's third string at that point. Mm-hmm. And it could be Theo Day, it could be Noah Kim, it could be Amphay, right? It's basically between those three. Yeah, so. yeah. And Fay, or I'm sorry, uh, Day was the third stringer last year. Um, Kim didn't dress until the Penn State game when Rocky was out. And so, uh, yeah, that's where you're at. And, uh, and Peyton, you know, he's another, he's a confident guy and he thinks that he got a lot better from last year. Um, and I think that, you know, it was kind of hard to tell with those three games that he got in. You saw some of the flashes, but, you know, when they're down by double digits each time, you know, it's not really an accurate read. You know, he gets in against Ohio State and they're already getting creamed. And it's, yeah, he completed his first 11 passes, but it's also when you're, when you're down by that much, doesn't matter. But I like what I saw from him at times in the Penn State game. You know, that second quarter, um, you know, that was his good quarterback play. Uh, well, I guess if you take out the Michigan game this year from Lombardi, I mean, that second quarter against Penn State was as good a quarterback player as we've seen from Michigan State in, in a while. So if you can bottle that, uh, he could win the job. We got a question here. Mel Tucker isn't talking a whole lot about players, but are you hearing anything about Elijah Collins this spring? This person says he's still baffled by his 2020 disappearance. So are we. <laughs> yeah, I mean, again, I was the guy who thought the one thing that was a given going into last year with all the uncertainty was Collins would be your leading rusher, and, you know, he'd do really well, and it just didn't happen. It was pretty clear there was something – Something wasn't right there. Um, we've never gotten a full explanation from it. Uh, I think it was Connor Hayward uh, recently said something about uh, why you putting weight back on. So, yeah, I don't know. I mean, when a guy like when a guy has a season like that and a reduced role like that, and they bring in a couple, they bring in one transfer and they have a commitment from another transfer. You kind of would have expected that guy. And I don't like to speculate about transfers, but, you know, that's when you usually see somebody leave. But the fact he's stuck around, I haven't seen him say a negative word. Um, the coaching staff has talked, you know, some guys, these guys have talked about him positively. I think that's, you know, a good sign that, I don't know, something happened last year. He wasn't, it, it just didn't work, but he's, he's sticking around to try and uh, to fight for a job. And uh, I think that's a good reflection upon him. Absolutely. I mean, that running back room between Elijah Collins, uh, Simmons, uh, Kenneth Walker, Harold Joyner, assume, assuming he joins the program, and Connor Hayward, you got five guys there that could theoretically get carries. It's, you got, it's going to be interesting. They'll have, they'll have seven scholarship running backs on the team. They're yeah. on pace to have that by the fall. So yeah. That's going to have to shake a, out somehow. You would think something yeah, you would just, have to give there. Yeah, you <laughs> but, just don't have enough. You just don't have enough. I mean, what you, Max, you're playing really three guys, maybe four in a game, and you're going to have – pretty much double that um and only one of those guys would be uh, a true freshman i don't mean to go on a tangent here but i definitely opened up a can of worms on twitter talking about how the 2013 michigan state football team would have won a national title because now i got players from that team retweeting it and people are arguing in the arguments about notre dame and florida state and auburn and how they would have crushed michigan state and it's <laughs> i should just shut my mouth sometimes but what are you gonna do I, I like it i got the felton davis retweet so i was happy about that but uh what do you so, you think you think that team could have won the national championship in 2013 when they won the Rose i mean Bowl? that was, that was, a, that was an outstanding team great defense and you know one bad performance on the road at Notre Dame with some questionable calls seemed uh, yeah, but by the, by the end of that season they were ooh, yeah they were, cook, they were cooking yeah yeah that was that defense was was something yeah 
I, I think it's 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 a it's a worthy debate for sure because you know Florida State had Jameis Winston that year. Auburn just seemed kind of like the team they put in because they didn't have anyone else. You could have argued Michigan State belonged there over them, but uh, you know it doesn't matter now. But of course the Spartans missed the playoff by one year. Uh, that's just kind of how it goes sometimes in Spartan land. So um, I have another question for you. It's uh, from me, and I'm wondering. Uh, how do we get into the cafeteria when Michigan State's dietitian is in there uh, working on things? Because those guys haven't made, man. I need a personal diet plan. Uh, you just, I think you just need to enroll at Michigan State again and, and, and live at Case Hall and, and <laughs> hang around and see if she can help you out there. But no, I mean, everybody's talked about her a lot. And she's only been there for a couple of months. But Amber Reinstein has, has drawn rave reviews for what she's done there. I, I was going to say, I think you need to do the conditioning for a month before you get the dietitian. And if, oh. you, can, if you can survive that, then, then you the get it. The strain train. Yeah, I don't think that's ever happening again. I think Graham, Graham, our friend <laughs> Graham Couch from the LSJ, he got uh, Ken Manny to put him through that. I don't know. That was a while ago, years ago. And if I was just, you know, and give Gra- a lot of credit to Graham for finishing. There's no way, in, no way I could finish that. But I think if I was a lawyer for a university – and some sports writer <laughs> that was not a proven um, professional level athlete or so wanted to go through their strength and conditioning program. I would put a, a stop to that before it ever got off the ground. That seems like a, a bad know. thing waiting to happen. I always hear, I've never met Graham in person, but I always hear about his basketball game and I see his videos trying to, you know, dunk out there and stuff. So Graham's elite a, athlete, right? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> he's a good guy he actually I, does I, a couple blocks for me yeah I, I can tell a funny story there's a there's a media game every year at the final four um so in 2019 we go and, and it's mostly reporters but some people invite their friends and stuff um um and so we go this uh we go in 2019 and it's mostly reporters but we all line up for a game and all of a sudden uh sage rosenfels former um NFL quarterback is on the other team uh, from Graham. So, so Graham's getting all ready to go there and dominate all these reporters. And he ends up having to check a uh, former professional athlete. <laughs> That's awesome. And Graham, I, I'm not just trying to, to dunk on Graham. Graham's a pretty good, uh, Graham's a pretty good basketball player, but he did not fare well in that matchup. I'll, I'll tell you that. All right. Well, that concludes this episode of couch confidential. Uh, <laughs> we're going to move on. No. Uh, anything else you guys want to touch on any other updates from football, Matt, that we missed? No, I mean, we had the, I mean, they're, they're halfway point of the spring practice, basically. Uh, today, today's Thursday, right? Yeah, so today should have been uh, uh, practice number eight this morning. And um, still waiting to hear if the uh, spring game on the 24th will be open to, to fans and what kind of the plan is there. But, uh, yeah, uh, you know, it'll be interesting to see, you know, how the roster shakes out, how many, if there are any more departures um, in the spring, which I would assume there, there will be because that's just common every year, every place. Um, and then who else they add? And Michigan State uh, this past Saturday got a transfer pickup from uh, Louisville, Christian for Fitzpatrick, wide receiver. So that was kind of interesting because that was the one position where you thought, all right, this is, they're the most solid at wide receiver, I think, going into the year that they wouldn't really need to add, but it wouldn't hurt. So bringing a guy with four years of eligibility left who's 6'4", and he's from from Michigan. So um, And their second second Louisville transfer commit. So um, yeah, interesting addition. They could use a couple more big guys with uh, Keon Coleman coming in 6'4 as well. 
Well, we'll keep an eye on it. Uh, the Mel Tucker transfer portal never stops these days. Guys coming in, guys coming out. And also on the basketball front, we'll keep an eye on any potential transfers. But we're getting further and further away from the end of the season. So it gets less likely. And we're also waiting on Aaron Henry's decision for the NBA. So we'll keep an eye on that. And the assistant coach. You uh, hold your breath search. on Aaron. Yeah, no. You, we've kind of touched on that. But we will cover it nonetheless, Kyle. We will cover <laughs> it nonetheless. Um, thanks, everyone, for listening. We appreciate it. Again, like, rate, and review the pod if you can. Check out all our work at MLive.com slash Spartans. Hit us up on Twitter and uh, via email or whatever if you have some fun topics you want us to cover. It can be anything, really. Past, present. Uh, we're going to be a little bit of a downtime, you know, in between the news here. So hit us up if you want to. Um, but everyone enjoy the weather. Enjoy the Masters. Uh, and until next time, thanks for listening. And go Green.